everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 20th episode of Cult Following, the Tempe, Arizona-based movie podcast brought to you by the people who bring you retro revival movies every month at Cult Classics AZ. I'm one of your three hosts, Victor Marino, along with Kirby Nelson. Yes. And our engineer and co-pilot, Adam Rakowski. Hi. And we're going to have a lot of fun today because we're trying a new experiment that may become an occasional event podcast. We're calling it Retro Recast, where we're taking one of the fabulous modern films of today and infusing it with the stars of yesteryear. In this case, the stars of 1994 for a movie from well, 2014. It could go the other way, too. It could. In the future. It could. Like you could take Buckaroo Banzai and then recast it modern. That could be true. We may have to do another episode. Retro recast. It could work in many ways. But uh, before we get to that and announce, or we, should we wait to announce the movie? Oh, yeah, no, we'll wait, because we can do our whatevers. Yeah, so we'll do our That'll debrief. That'll make people listen to our debrief. Yeah, Maybe so we'll just announce it, like, randomly within the middle of the debrief. Yeah, exactly. And that's when you have to call <laughs> our special hotline number here oh, to win a prize. We believe in you. That's not the movie. All right, but it's been a couple of weeks since our last episode, and we've all been doing a lot of fun and usual and amazing activities in the world of leisure film watching uh i'll i'll knock it off because i have a few movies i've watched of late um i just watched uh the editor from the the fun folks at astron six and scream factory Mm -hmm. and uh this is a very interesting movie i think astron six if you guys know them are the people who made um wolf cop which a lot of people like or don't like and Father's Day and uh, Father's Day, which a lot of people like and don't like. Um, <laughs> yeah, they have a very fifty-fifty. Uh, pretty much, I crap. for one very much enjoyed the editor, which is very much a straight-up uh, spoofing of Jalo movies. But I can still I love Jalo. Yes. There's always room for Jalo. I had to say it. I'm sorry. But um, I think this movie still works. At least works. you said and didn't make a meme about it, yeah. so you instantly are better. Yeah. See, I think the meme would be a gloved hand with a spoon with red lighting and a j- green jello. That's very true. Yeah. In And the uh, in it subtitled in Italian as mm-hmm. well. Jalo. But um, I think it still works if you haven't seen a lot of like Dario or Gento movies. Um, it, isn't this a little like uh, what do you call it? Blowout, isn't it? The Travolta yeah. film, kind of like about a guy who's re- he's the editor, right, and records. Yeah, and uh, isn't it like people are actually getting killed or something like that. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's a lot. Honestly, it's kind of it reminds me a lot of like the bird with the crystal plumage, and they make that like very obvious in the movie because uh one of the movies the editor worked on was the cat with the velvet blade you know but uh, it still works if you haven't seen any of those movies because um it works as kind of absurdist humor kind of like um you know tim and eric i think mm-hmm. so it, i thought it was a lot of fun i don't know if you'd seen it yet i haven't but i it's probably one that i'll eventually pick up maybe when it goes on sale uh with scream shout factory i usually just been picking up the collector's editions but some of the newer stuff they put out is really good yeah. so it's kind of like uh 
kind of a wait and see. I do think the little touches they put into the movie to make it like uh, authentic or sort of neat, like the opening credits or like the same font the opening credits of Suspiria are in. Um, I think uh, Claudio Simonetti does a lot of the music in it. Is it as good of an intro as Suspiria? Mm, I would say so. Really? Um, well, just in a different way. It's a really interesting intro. That's cool. Well, I mean, if it's got that, I've heard good things. I like the trailer when I saw it. Yeah. It looked really good. So it's it's definitely the trailer a sold me on it. I don't think I would have watched it otherwise. It was a well cut trailer. And um, but yeah, I think there's a lot of little things like the fact that Tristan Risk, who's also an American Mary, she's in this movie and she speaks English, but they randomly redub all her dialogue by a different actress just to give it that extra Argento thing. A lot, all the dialogue in this is like redubbed where it doesn't match the lips exactly. So nice. I, yeah, I but like, not full on Godzilla here. No, no, no. It's oh, okay. more just like the classic. It's just done in a way that you you know how they get the same people. Like, it's it's like, like the AD, <laughs> the real the real close ADR. Yeah, yeah. It's like <laughs> Claudio, you're so hilarious. You know that kind of thing. Yeah, um, no, and I thought this it was a, uh, I thought it was a re-release of something. I don't know why it, it seemed like it was. Uh, you know a repackaged lost movie or something it, d- it could also work that way like this story is like absurd enough because like, i heard about it but i didn't know it was like just you know it's like a 2014 yeah movie. well they go the, the it, i think it could have been a straight movie except halfway through they add in like this whole like supernatural element to also make fun of like fulci movies specifically the beyond mm-hmm. i don't want to spoil it too much but there's a lot of cool visual gags playing on that um I saw the Avengers Age of Ultron again. Um, I've already seen it. I'm pretty sure I talked about it. I don't think it ages well. Like, I've watched Captain America Civil War a bunch of times. I don't think I'm going to... Holy crap, you've already watched Civil War? Or not Civil War. Winter uh, Soldier. Winter Soldier, sorry. Yeah, I've watched... that. I feel that movie is, like, very rewatchable. I don't think... Uh, I don't think that uh, Age of Ultron is... So did you rewatch it? You haven't rewatched it since it first came no, out? No, I only saw it once. I only saw okay. it once when it came out in theaters. I'm like, I'll wait to watch it again when it comes out. Um, I rewatched Mad Max Fury Road. Uh, I think it was the third time I've seen it. Now I'm, I'm like really starting to appreciate it more now. That's awesome. Yeah, it's it it's one. Well, that's one of those movies that's going to get better and better as time goes on. Oh, it does. Yeah. Um, what did I saw a couple of documentaries. I saw uh, the Internet's Own Boy, which is about um, you know to go back to the Avengers. Okay. I also started to watch it again. Yeah. Recently, and I instantly turned it off. It has a very bizarre intro. I just, I can't get into it. Like, I can tell that Joss Whedon did not like the character of uh, Baron Von Strucker. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the first time I saw, like, I, it's been long enough we can talk spoilers on this movie. Um, in Captain America Winter Soldier, it kind of presents him as, like, the mastermind of uh, Hydra. And in... Uh, Age of Ultron, he's kind of like a bumbling moron. Mm. Like he said, we'll never surrender. And then he tells his little buddy, like, I'm going to go surrender. Well, I just and think the fight I, was just some comical two punch thing. Yeah. And I, I think just overall the, the movie, and I think we may have discussed this before, but it, it does ring true that I, Joss just did not have his heart. And oh, it's, that's what it is. It's, and I didn't know it until after I saw the movie. I didn't, I, I don't really, I didn't really follow up on, you know, how the production was going, mm-hmm. how, you know, how, what he felt about it. It wasn't until after the movie that I heard that he's like, I don't want anything to do with Marvel anymore. This was just a horrible experience for me. Yeah. And I was like, well, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. After seeing the movie. 
I, well, just, I just think it's horribly. I haven't watched it again, but I thought about because it's you know at the Dollar Theater now, and I thought, you know, when I went and saw it the first time, my mind was kind of elsewhere and not in the way in which I was like enjoying the cinematic experience. I just had a lot going on at the time, and uh, it's like uh, I would go watch again. But the one thing I remember is it just felt so disjointed, like. It's just mishmash, like oh, yeah. just different. Nothing flows. Thor, like it's, Thor it's, disappears halfway through really. the movie for his subplot, which I feel doesn't really add anything because it doesn't. It's like okay, we got to wedge in somehow that the Avengers know about the Infinity Stones. Well, that's. I think what I was gonna say was I think I, I we did the podcast shortly after I had seen. I remember you saying something about Victor, and it was pretty much the nail on the head. It's like we have to rewrite this script not only to cover all our bases for future movies, but to ensure we tie up any of the loose ends. Yeah. Cause there's so many pieces where I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? And it's because we have to establish this new character or add an arc for yeah. this established one. It's just, ah, I'm just, I'm done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said, there's a lot of that. There's like, we got to lay the groundwork for black Panther. And then at the same time, this was the movie where Joss Whedon got to show his contempt for the Marvel television universe. But I'm saying, Oh yeah, the Avengers have been cleaning up hydra hydra shit all along since the last movie there's no shield you know it's really like hey if you messed it any time in shield congratulations it didn't matter mm-hmm. you know kind of which i thought wasn't really cool of him but i'm sure at that point he probably was like whatever with marvel yeah yeah hmm. so just let that go yeah and i saw uh like, <laughs> just let it go <laughs> i saw that let movie finally go. i saw that movie finally uh. Frozen? Frozen? Yes, I saw Frozen finally. Um, you know, I, I don't know if this is the type of podcast where we talk about that sort of movie. We can talk about whatever we uh, want. I, I, Watch I, will, all that stuff. I will say this much about Frozen. I've there's been all this hyped, you know, like, oh, like this is the girl power movie or whatever, right? And I always assumed the girl on the cereal box and everything, Elsa was like a cool important main character and like you watch the movie and i think the reason it's popular is because it's a movie about like the bond between two girls yeah at the same time um it's very clear the redhead girl anna is like the main character Mm -hmm. and she is like a her storyline is totally shafted and i just i kind of thought elsa was like very unlikable she's the icon yeah image but the heart of the story is totally the anna story and the you know, and then you got all this other, you know, I mean, I mean, it's the Disney formula, of course. You have like is Olaf, as, you I, have Olaf as the comic relief. No, I mean, like all the standard oh, movie I, pieces. But the whole thing is, is that I agree with you. I think they're trying to do, obviously, a more uh, female empowerment film. I mean, they're already talking about, I mean, it, it's just like Disney has had the two mark changes cinematically of having you know, a step away from traditional animation mm-hmm. and, you know, the move towards computer animation, the whole Pixar thing, not just because of the success of Pixar, but because obviously audiences. Yeah. Audiences are changing, changing it. I, I think if this was but, a Disney movie made in the nineties, Elsa would very clearly be the villain in this movie. Cause she has like a villain trajectory right mm-hmm. from the get go, but the redemption at the end. Yeah. But whereas this, it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah. It's just, it's a very, it's like they had, there's a, like a prince in this movie that you think, think anna has like the instant connect and then he turns out to be the de facto bad guy to spare uh, elsa from being the villain of the movie right you know it's just i thought it was a really weird movie considering how popular the merchandise is especially i i would have thought it's like olaf would have been like 
really in the movie he's barely in it at all yeah but i mean it, it's it's got the whole classic blend but the interesting part is i think i know it's the most successful animated feature now and i think it's like number in the top five yeah it's made it's something just, like it's 1.5 billion i think <laughs> i mean you can look it up but i mean you know i also the big thing is that you know i actually hear the whole like let it go all the time and all that but i mean I wasn't impressed at all with the songs in this. And, no. and I mean, I'll still sing along to like Beauty and the Beast and like Little Mermaid. I think all those scores and how and soundtracks as well as classic Disney. I mean, oh, yeah, because you think of like somewhere out. No, that's a uh, five. That's America. But, that's, that's, but like something like uh, Under the Sea or yeah, Kuna well, Matata, those things. Well, get- even like the it's just I mean, Disney has such a, you know, the history of music. I mean, you know, they completely have, uh, you know, stowed away the uh, song of the South there. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like on the censorship underground railroad. Yeah, I mean, but I, it's like, but uh, um, zippity doodah is still like one of the biggest songs. I mean, they, you know, it's it, what I mean is, is that people are going, Oh, this is the best. Oh, you know, I could listen to CD forever and stuff. And I'm like, it really, I mean, in a real critical assessment, I go, you know, maybe one or two songs are good, but overall it's just not that great. Yeah. But well, and then the, the people who are a majority of them that are saying that are people with little kids. Well, that's, I mean, that's a big part of it. But I mean, I just feel like Victor's kind of saying like, you know, it's the cultural phenomenon of this film, but really getting at the the heart of why movies are the ones like, you know, like Wally or something where like a kid could watch an adult and be like, Oh, I can like relate to my favorite. Yeah. Or up even that could be like a kid's movie or an adult movie. And to me, I'm like watching frozen. I'm thinking, I don't like the message this movie is really sending all that much. Or and as an adult, I think it's just weirdly structured. I don't know. Yeah, no, I didn't like Frozen, and I've, I've, yeah, it, I, I love the Disney movies. I just that was one of my least favorite ones. Yeah, and so when it really exploded the way that it did, and at work, probably not even like two months after, you know, everybody's talking about Frozen all of a sudden. Yeah, the the organist is playing "Let It Go." Yeah, so I hear it every hour on the hour yeah. all night that I'm at work. Uh, and so it's kind of the running joke like that work, you know, and let yeah. it go comes on. And just but. in case any listeners are thinking, oh, maybe he just doesn't get, look, I'll tell you specifically <laughs> what my problem is with this movie. So Aunt Elsa is basically a mutant. You get that right from the get go. There's no explanation for why she has these ice powers. Her parents clearly don't have them and they teach her to hide who you are and all that. And then she only comes to accept them after she's like exhibited them in public and destroyed the economy of her country and run away that she comes to kind of accept herself. Her sister goes to help her and then she just keeps getting hurt along the way. It's like weird. It, I, you know, so I she's basically a czar is essentially what you're saying. It's she's just, it's just strange. From leaving a frozen desolate way. I just kind of feel like if they're like, you know, cause that's where the big number is. I'm letting go of, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I could say like, I kind of would have liked it better if she had more of a, the sister had more of a part in helping her come to terms with the, the powers or whatever. But I think her whole thing was the sister was supposed to be the one saving her instead of the, even though she has male accomplices, it was like, you know, it's her love familially, but also like the feminine empowerment thing. It's just like, I don't know, with the whole tween teen kind of thing, because that's in everything now. I mean, for little kids to whatever. Yeah. I mean, like, 
you know, people wanted to argue. I remember, you know, when like Twilight fandom was at its heart, and I said, well, my biggest issue with Twilight has nothing to do with that. I, I, without going like so deep into it, but my big problem with that, I go, is it's like a completely anti. Whether you're feminist or not, or something, but if you believe in strong feminine characters, like Bella Swan is the least of the bunch. I mean, mm, in the yeah. book, she's describing a paragraph, of course, like a classic romance novel. So you can put yourself in there. Any girl can, uh, or anyone can, you know, and it's like, but what it's really about is like, you know, she does, she's not worth anything until this guy comes into her yeah. life. And it's like, so you got tons of women reading this young women going, Oh, well I'm nothing without a man. And you have like a society that reinforces that all the time. Mm. And that's, I mean, that's the problem with these is that, no matter what in like a Disney movie, that's my problem with frozen with most of these things is mm -hmm. that everything in the end is about a happy ending yeah. or a society, a societal standard. So it, like you have to be with somebody. So, I mean, they can make anything they can make, you know, the, the transgender disabled African-American princess well, I mean, and whatever they want to do. But the fact is it's always going to be cut into this mold yeah. where it's like, Oh, you, you can't be happy unless this is there. Yeah, and I kind of understand the reason, part of the reason that song particular and like Elsa are more like a cultural thing is because, oh, it's just about self-acceptance anyway. And that's where we're going with in society and we're embracing it that way. I'm just saying, to me, the underlying story of that movie is very weak, even if people, but people can latch on to characters and apply them to in their own ways. Because otherwise, Marvel Comics would be or garbage but you can get what you like from the characters in there well then let me ask this and if if like the underlying story has like some faults there how is that to the hands of christian anderson snow queen which is it's based off of is it i'm not familiar with i'm the not story that enough. familiar with it so it might just be the actual story is really bad so maybe someone who's listening can just like you know hip us to what the story's about mm -hmm. and we can talk about that in the future this is a call to you listener <laughs> <laughs> yeah well that's kind of like the hans christian anderson yeah. things kind of like the brothers grim thing yeah. you know what i mean it's like when you talk about like kind of like vintage source material who knows right. I, I like the whole mutant elsa thing i kind of want a professor x snowman I yeah. mean, now that you're going on that like, but um all right just to finish up oh, yeah, yeah let's see right. what you got yeah, yeah yeah so i also saw um like the Internet's Own Boy, it's a documentary about the guy who co-founded Reddit, Aaron Schwartz. It's really good. It's really sad, but it's worth watching. I saw the Deep Web, which is a uh, oh, that's the it's a it's a documentary about the Silk Road and the Darknet. It's directed by Alex, Alex Winter, Winter yeah. and Keanu Reeves is the the uh, narrator. So there's your Bill and Ted reunion, everybody. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, I'll say it's worth watching once. Wait for it to get on Netflix. I, don't go out of your way to see it. Um, well, what did you think of Downloaded? Did you see that? Um, I thought it was better. I, I kind of feel like this movie is like there's not enough story. It basically just follows the trial of the guy okay. who set up the Silk Road. Right. And it feels like I feel like it could have been good as an hour. Like, there's a good chunk of the first hour is just explaining what the Darknet and Tor are. And I'm like, I, you know, I know this. <laughs> You're sitting there with your, your lisp going, I already know this. Yeah, pretty much. We're Let's not be Philly here. <laughs> um, I saw Bearing the X, which is the new Joe Dante movie. Oh, yes, it's on my Netflix queue. Yes, I won't, I won't spoil it too much. I mean, it's, it's a latter-day Joe Dante movie. Mm -hmm. Um... For what it is, it's okay. I, I will say, if you're going to, it has a very similar uh, storyline to um, Life After Beth. And I will say, of the two, Life After Beth is much better. This feels way too sitcom y for me. Hmm. 
What about my boyfriend's back? Um, actually, it is kind of more like my boyfriend's back. When you said sitcom, that's the first thing I kind yeah, of thought of. It, yeah, it's because to me, like when, like I'm not spoiling by telling you the girlfriend comes back from the dead, you know. But his reaction in, in Life After Beth, the guy uh, deemed in, he's in Chronicle, the main guy, he's all like freaked out by it, and it takes him a good chunk of time to come to terms with it. Mm-hmm. In this movie, it's like <gasps> you're back from the dead. Oh, um, I'm not going to tell anybody. Oh, no. Like, it instantly <laughs> lapses into, like, sitcominess. And she comes back, like, all rotting and everything. So it's kind of like, tell somebody, dude. I don't... It, yeah, like, cue the rockabilly I had to keep pausing. Music. I have a thing when I watch movies where if something feels, like, really trite and predictable, I kind of, like, it's just like, ah, I can't deal with this. You, you bite your pillow. Yeah. And there's... I had to do that, like, seven or eight times watching the movie. <laughs> oh, my. Well, I, I definitely know it got really bad reviews. I like the uh, his last outing, the hole, mm-hmm. even though it was kind of like very generic, like well, probably like late eighties, early nineties, like straight to video, yeah. and it was straight to DVD, Blu-ray. But it was, you know, I, I liked it. I thought I, it was a pretty good like yeah. kids horror movie. A lot of people thing. think that movie's under. I do think that this movie's just uh there's a part where they go, they were watching a movie at Hollywood forever. Like they do the outdoor screenings and they stage one, but then they make it so like they're actually sitting amongst graves where it's not like that. And it's one of those things like, I like when they integrate real events into movies. Cause you can like, oh, like, Oh, that's cool. And then they just make it fake. And it bothered me hmm. there. They do a lot of that. There's like, they go to the new Beverly and it's like the new Beverly, but not really. You know, it's like full of people. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> um, You're just too inside. Yeah, I guess. It just, you know, I like authentic experiences. Well, I, and, and I do like that there's a Dick Miller cameo, though. There's God. Oh, you yeah. gotta love Dick Miller. Yeah. yeah. Guy, guy of that dick. Yeah. But see, it was one of the things because uh, Ann and I went on vacation and we went to uh, Universal Studios and went on the VIP tour, went to uh, Warner Brothers and went on the Backlot tour. And one of the things that you were telling me is that, oh, when you go on these things and they take you out into the lots yeah. where they film like so many of the street scenes or so many of the town oh, scenes I know where you're going. that you're going to start recognizing a lot of it and it kind of breaks down that wall of like oh you know if you're going to watch a movie now in the future or a tv show especially tv yeah. shows because they take advantage of that much more mm-hmm. you're gonna start going i know that building yeah and so we've only been back for maybe about a week and we've already been doing that yeah Oh, the the big one! Don't ever watch Sliders again. It's it'll completely ruin that show. For, <laughs> but like, no, it actually makes it a little yeah, bit more interesting, yeah. you know. But yeah, and my uh, Anne's been watching uh, Pretty Little Liars because I guess a lot of it was. Oh uh, yeah, and Gilmore Girls. Charity watches Gilmore Girls, yeah. but uh, well, like, I didn't know that about Sliders. I'll have to pop that on. Yeah, there's a lot, I can of, kind of stomach lot of Southern California. I mean, I did the um, Halloween Thirty Five Years of Terror. And I mean, you know, they show you all that Halloween stuff, but then they're like, oh yeah, it's this film, this film, this film, you know, 80 other films. I mean, like, you know, the first time before that tour, like 10 years ago, first time I'd ever realized that the, uh, um, um, Strode House or whatever in uh-huh. Nightmare on Elm Street, a house are right across the street from each other, uh, <laughs> right out, like outside of uh, was it Wilshire? And there's it's all crazy. Or Astoria, Oregon, of course, is like your entire '80s childhood, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, I remember when I remember when they were selling the Goonies house on eBay in like '99, and it was for like hundred and forty thousand dollars. Now I think cheap. now I think of all these like I mean, it had a huge amount of repairs to get up to code, but I always think of it now, and I'm like, God, there's so many like nostalgia 
nostalgia addicted hipsters that would spend their entire trust <laughs> fund and yeah. just have Macaulay Culkin as like pizza band come and play. <laughs> Sorry, that's just yeah. what I imagine in that, but all right any so, other good stuff yeah i saw spy the um melissa mccarthy melissa one? mccarthy movie which um i actually thought was good it, d- it did address many of the issues i had the last time i went on a melissa mccarthy rant it was very like meta mm-hmm. where she's like a spy and like she starts doing missions halfway through because of something that happens and um like she wants to be like a badass by they keep making her like fat frumpy and dumb in her identities and so it's being meta right but it's worth watching i thought it was good jason statham is like fucking hilarious in it <laughs> he's totally parroting himself and he does a really good job that's like uh i remember was it vinnie jones was in that um that television show that was like a musical medieval oh not I, too last long ago. summer yeah 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 um Gal- gallivant yeah and he played a comedic role and it was he was the funniest thing about that show mm-hmm. i mean it wasn't a great show you know but we watched the beginning to end but vinnie jones was just hamming it up yeah and he wouldn't expect it so that's what made it so memorable mm-hmm. i watched being evil which is a documentary of evil knievel produced by um the guy who does jackass oh giant ox yes mm-hmm. it's actually good you should watch it i heard that one it's good. on voodoo um uh and i saw turbo kid mm-hmm. which did any of you guys are- I yes did. okay so i can wait till you talk about it me yeah so oh. i can stop talking oh <laughs> yeah don't kirby this yeah. or anything kirby did you see a lot of things uh not a huge huge amount no. but i definitely I, saw turbo kid but i'm gonna let you take the lead on that oh one. Oh my gosh yeah i didn't see a lot the last few weeks like we've been on we've been on vacation but uh i saw a movie called the d train which was basically a, a straight vod release i believe uh that was um james franco and um jack black mm. and a high school reunion where jack black is is the head of the high school reunion committee and in order to to get everybody to go to the high school reunion um he sees no it's not james franco it's um uh, who who played cyclops in the first two james marsden james marsden i always get those two guys mixed up he was watching television and saw that that james marzen was on a commercial and he goes oh my gosh if we can get him to come back to our reunion everybody's going to want to see like this big time actor uh. but all he did was like a commercial but you know in the mind of you know the midwest oh, it yeah. seems like he's broke it big so he goes out there tries to convince him to come back really not that great of a movie um but uh, boy even if you're a jack black fan it's it's kind of um uh, it's a bit of a black comedy in parts, but it just doesn't really know where to focus the comedy mm. well enough to to make it feel, um, uh, I guess, interesting and compelling. I'm surprised enough. it went straight to video. His stuff has been going theatrical now for a bit. I think the Goosebumps thing and a few other pieces are kind of yeah. Because he had he had a pretty bad run with like Gulliver's Travels and that. Uh, but that was still theatrical. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, he had too many theatrical yeah. ones kind of go down That's, the tube. So yeah, I know see, he's had like, a problem. But like this, just didn't it didn't have any it didn't have any legs to it. Didn't have any. Yeah, uh, anybody else? In That's it? probably I've heard it. of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, it would have to it, if. I think it would have marketed itself better and maybe they might have would they would have released it if it was if the comedy was a little bit more broad if they played it up a little bit more but it was more subdued mm. but it it wasn't 
I don't know. It just didn't. It just didn't play like you know a Paul Paul Wes Anderson movie or you know I, I kind of see what they wanted to do with well, it, but it just kind of like seemed a really straightforward. Thing? Yeah. Okay, like a Bernie type thing. Kind of. Okay. But even, I mean, and even Bernie wasn't that great of a film, but... I liked it, it a lot, though. It, it didn't, like, live up to, yeah. like, giving it that much um, uh, bravado to it. Mm. I never saw Bernie, but I can't comment. I do, like... Paul Wes Anderson, though, that's like a poor well, yeah, Bernie, Bernie is a, um, no, 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 I'm, uh, it's a guy, suburbia boyhood, that guy. Did I mess up his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Earlier? No, it's like Paul Wes Anderson films and Paul, uh, what's Paul Anderson. Oh, isn't there? Oh, I'm thinking of the two. I There's thought, a Paul Anderson who does like the, Punch Drunk Love. That's right. what I thought he was referencing. Oh, I thought yeah, he was trying to. Paul Thomas, Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson. You were thinking, oh, no, Kirby's no. thinking Paul W.S. No, Anderson. No, 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 no. I actually, I am right. It was Paul Thomas. I couldn't remember it. The yeah. whole name. And then Wes and, uh, Anderson, the guy who does all the. Yeah, Bottle Rocket. Rocket and yes. Life Aquatic and all those. Anyways, yeah. what I did is I did a mashup of yeah, all so I those said Portmanteau, if you Portmanteau. Will. Yeah. Uh, then uh, we went to the loft in Tucson and saw Alleluia, the Devil's Carnival 2. So I heard show. this one is actually like feature length. Well, so was the first one. Oh, I thought the, the first one's only like a little over an hour. Well, you, yeah, but still consider i mean it's, it's like close to an hour and a half maybe mm-hmm. um this one seemed like it went pretty fast oh. i think this one's probably about the same in length oh okay um just as just as good maybe a little bit better than the first one i thought mm. um, is it the same like story basically yes it's a continuation okay from the first one it's where they go into the uh, they're, they're getting prepared for the battle with heaven and they're trying to bring god down because they think he's just a complete asshole mm. um and justifiably so uh it's it's great it's blasphemous it's it was funny um yeah no and that was good and then the only other thing that i saw was turbo kid and i saw it at home on vod mm-hmm. uh, i know that film bar was playing it um but just i don't know i i can't just i can't drive down to film bar and just to see a movie i know that uh, negative steve well, tried to go out there and and see it and he was turned away well that, selling that's out, so that's i think that's the problem of a venue like that that tries like most indie movies are like day and date they come out the same day on mm-hmm. in demand as they would anywhere else and i mean obviously that's what keeps us from doing that kind of thing but um yeah my whole thing was i was gonna wait for because we were on vacation now you're so, out of town so when we came back our friend uh runs mines eye rehearsal down in mesa and uh they have a big space down there that's set up to project movies mm-hmm. so we just watched the down you know the vod download on uh on this so we saw it on the big screen yeah. kind of like when we watch movies at your house right yeah yeah no, I, I I loved Turbo Kid. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a lot of fun. It picked, it sure did pick like a whole lot of different stuff to just throw into one movie. It is a play. blender of like movie references. You know, I would say like, like insane amount. Solar babies in there. You yeah, know. it was just a total. I, BMX yeah. Bandits meets BMX, Fist yeah. in the North Star meets Dead Alive. Well, yeah, the that's song that, like the song that's playing through rad. the credits is from Rad. Yeah, well, and, the intro. I yeah. was like. <laughs> oh my god because i was into bmx when i was yeah. a kid I, I suffered a lot of pain for bmx and still love it um and it's one of those things where um you know it, it rad i watched till the i wish i had the vhs still mm-hmm. thrashing finally got a release but rad oh. is still mia weird so um but yeah it was it was a you know lots of nods to different stuff 
the gore was just awesome. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was, was probably, very hobo with a shotgun ass. Yeah, it, and that's actually one another thing yeah. I thought of visually, especially Michael Ironside's character. I mean, was a complete. It just everything just reminded me a lot. With the villainy was hobo and the whole death match kind of like arena and all that. Kind well, of yeah, stuff. I like. Yeah. Yeah, to me, it was very much seemed like a fan. Like like uh, you know, Michael Ironside was basically playing like the Duke of New York in my opinion and then like i liked how the turbo kids like partner or whatever is basically indiana jones down to him having like the arm wrestling match with kali ma yeah yeah (laughs) but like that and then there's just like super obscure like when uh he catches that rat at the beginning and it's a sumatran rat from brain dead yeah 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 So I don't know. I like it's it's a lot like the editor, weirdly enough, where it's like you enjoy it that much more if you under if you get all the references. Right. And they didn't beat it over. Your head. Yeah. Because I remember what I, I mentioned it on the, the video game one uh, uh, first person shooter. Uh-huh. which where they made a lot of references to other horror movies, but it was very direct. Yeah. And for some people that just is kind of like, Ooh, you know, where you kind of, Oh yeah. Cringe. Cause then you're getting into that whole scary movie there. It's like, Oh look, I'm referencing something. That's Do funny. You get it? It's like the family. Do you get it? Family yeah. Do you get it? yeah. It's like, I like subtle references where like, if you miss it, it's not a big deal, but it's, you like it that much more, you right. know? Yeah. I agree. Turbo kid was just fun. I mean, yeah. like, and I, I just miss films. I, like yeah. That. I like that in all, films like i remember when i was watching uh, captain america the first avenger and um the, uh, hugo weaving's character finds uh the tesseract in uh in whatever that little village is and he's like looking at it and he's like and to think the fear wastes his time looking for trinkets in the desert <laughs> you know like the nice little raiders of the lost right. ark yeah. reference so hmm. so yeah i, I guess so yeah, we like Turbo Kid. Yes, <laughs> three t- three thumbs up. But that's, I mean, really, we've just been so busy with running around and whatever for Anne's birthday that that's all I saw. Yeah. I, I, Worth noting, anyways. Yeah, and I will say Turbo Kid is, like, clearly, like, low budget, but it makes, like, the best of it. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like to see more movies like that just be creative on a small budget and not be found footage. I was going through Voodoo the other day for like the entire year. There was like at least right now, there's about twelve hundred movies on Voodoo just for 2015, mm-hmm. and it's I, just the amount of found footage movies is kind of ridiculous. Found footage and possession movies seem to be the most popular indie movies to make. Um, I did see two different. There are two different ripoffs of The Crow on there that had a girl lead and um and then there's the whole final girl type thing where there's all like oh we're hunting this girl down but it turns out she's a badass you know so we could do a whole trends in See? actually I'll, I'll kick off my watch list with uh oh. one of those the uh final girl is the uh badass movie which is uh I had no idea until recently. So two things I've been taking a bigger advantage of is definitely my Amazon Prime account. That's how I watch Turbo Kid. But yeah, it the, was free the first week. I yeah, heard. and then that's pretty awesome. And then the other one is is that I I mean like I said I just don't go out to movies as much as I used to. One because I you know just have so many to watch out of my own collection, but uh, a lot of theaters like chains like Harkins, AMC, and all those are all starting to show movies. You know that just get a limited run for like a couple days or a week. Yeah. And so I went to um, Marketplace and they had this film that was billed as horror. I, I very uh, 
hard to say that that's what it was, but it tried to be, which is um, a, a little feature called Unsullied. Uh, that and, sounds familiar. Well, it's it's a passion project of a pro football player, active pro football player. Um, I'm sorry, I can't remember his name. You can look it up. Um, but it is basically trying to be like a total wrong turn kind of movie. Not quite like, but what it really comes out to be is full on the movie Surviving the Game. Oh my God. With Ice-T. Yeah. I went to a test screening of that movie. It is completely that movie. Yeah. Uh, even it's, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the primary protagonist is an, is she's an African American girl. Um, and it just, uh, she, you know, it's like, the actors, I mean, I think they all tried and stuff, but it's just, this could honestly be, like, mark my words, if anyone really discovers this, it's not full-on bad enough to ever be, like, a room or a birdemic, okay. but it's definitely, if you want to laugh, I, I pretty much spent the whole time just making fun of the movie. It is absolutely just laughable how bad some of the dialogue is so if you if you really want to enjoy and stuff i'm sure it's out on bod or it's going to be out soon adam's vigorously researching yeah simon rice yep Mm. that's it uh he was born one day after me wow february 24th 1974 in chicago just uh you know and what team do you play for since I'm not a uh, football dude? I don't dude. know. He's a Super Bowl XXXVII. 36. 37. 37. That, that's one of his credits. Well, anyways, definitely, um, basically, yeah, just the girl getting hunted in the backwoods. Does it have a lot of puns when she turns the tables, like heads up, and then she cuts his head off? No, I wish it did. It also <laughs> had a promising kind of gore scene in the first 15 minutes, and the rest is, I hate to say, is a bloodless payoff. So Turbo Kid was like a nice palate cleanser oh, I for bet. my uh, my gore-soaked obsession. Um, I will say that the girl in Turbo Kid, the I guess friend or love interest, without spoiling anything, that girl was freaking me out, dude. With her eyes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just looked like she was gonna go postal any second. She definitely, she did a good job. Yeah. I mean, she plays her character well without yeah. giving anything away. I'm just really glad they didn't give her mermaid hair because then it would have oh, gotten yeah. way too out of control. <laughs> um, the other one I watched on. Um, Amazon that I have been having, especially as anyone knows me, I'm a huge Lovecraftian dude is spring. Oh, I love that movie. Yeah. And I got to say I'm half and half on it. I I I liked it. Didn't it remind you a lot of Dagon? Yeah, it definitely is a lot like Dagon stuff. It has its own unique take. I will give them that. That's it's very original. Mm -hmm. What ruined the experience for me was the story was good. The actors were good. The movie overall is good. The sound design is so bad because yeah, so I much of it, it is feels so very bad. mumbly. It's it's like a mumblecore yeah. movie. It is heavy on dialogue, which is a, actually not a bad thing. No, I think it's, it's about it gives you so of, much backstory on why that guy goes to Europe. Europe. And I'm like, I can totally believe how this movie would happen completely. Yeah, that guy is the dude who was in the Evil Dead remake who reads yeah, the Necronomicon, yeah. and he's a really good actor. Yeah, it ended up. I mean, it was good. Uh, you know, it was, it was not quite the expectations and stuff, but it also took it down a different path than I expected to. Yeah. So I enjoyed that. On uh, the mainstream of a uh, front, I did go see Sinister Two. 
Sinister is it two? Oh yeah, yeah, the two. second yeah, Sinister yeah, yeah. film. Um, I actually like the first Sinister film. I think it would have worked a lot better as a novel than a movie, or if it had been a novel first, would have been interesting. I, I was no. kind of interested. I, I, I am interested in hearing what you say about that since I know you love killer children movies. I do love killer children movies, and that's why I like the series so much. Uh, some great imagery and cinematography. Some of it's cheesy, but the one or two instances are great. The problem is you can tell they're already running out of steam, yeah. and, there are, and the thing is definitely padded out by a lot I, of repeat I, yeah, stuff. It does seem like they're trying very hard to make this into a um, insidious type scenario where the backstory is going to keep so they can churn out more and more movies. Yeah. So it, it's one of those ones. Um, real quick, I did catch the finale of Scream. I really, it ended up working out real well. It's worth checking out. Obviously, I'll also be remiss if I didn't mention losing Wes Craven since our last broadcast. Um, you know, huge hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, definitely one of my favorite directors. Um, I started watching Fear of the Walking Dead. Uh, jury's still on that one. Not not too bad. Um did want to say I saw Oakley Dokley, the first Ned Flanders metal oh, yes. band, caught their first show. Oh, buddies it, of mine. It was awesome. Um, definitely be on the lookout. I know they're playing the uh, former Mason Jar. I can't remember what it's called now. The Rebel. The Rebel Lounge. Lounge. Rebel Lounge. Uh, probably about the time this broadcast. Um, and then I actually finally got to see the Mentors after they've been going for almost 40 years by some play recently. Um, was definitely an experience. Uh, if you don't know them, if you're easily offended, I don't know. They were more probably more offensive in their day, but still fun. And then uh, I'll wrap things up because it's definitely the big film of this weekend. And definitely a huge talk is I went and saw The Visit. Okay, oh, what so, did you think? Oh, okay. So, yeah, did either I, you I, can, see it? I can say this much before we go into this. I just finally saw The Village. Oh. I've, I've avoided it because I've known the twist. Did you see Lay in the Water too? No. Okay. Good. No, I'm just curious to how many okay. you've seen here. But I'd seen Wayward Pines, the TV show, and I was really disappointed by how much of a ripoff of The Village wayward pines is and m night Shyamalan did both of them so i'm curious to see if he's rebounded well i also heard i know there was a lawsuit because there was a like a young adult novel from like the 70s or 80s that was the entire plot of the village pretty much yeah so uh um, yeah, yeah wayward pines is also extremely similar to the village hmm, interesting yeah. yeah i had i've never seen wayward pines so now i'm definitely gonna check that out yeah but um i gotta say uh Unbreakable is probably my still favorite feature he's done, though I do obviously love The Sixth Sense. Signs was kind of on the fence about. I actually like The Village. Um, and then Lay in the Water is just, it's forgettable, but I kind of enjoy it when I was watching it. And then I just, I've never watched The Happening. I just kind of refuse The Happening to. is terrible. Personally, like, I, I just, I don't know. One of these days I finally will watch it. I just, I've never been able to. It looks so bad. And then, like you kind of said, the twist was given away from yeah. me. Yeah, so. I, I, I can like I feel Village would have been just better if they'd kind of just addressed. Like you know something's up right from the get go. You know, like even watching, I'm like just address it and it's a better movie. You yeah. know, they definitely waited till the eleventh yeah. hour, and it wasn't just because of the twist. It was that they didn't even try to do any kind of hints or no. You know, if you knew anything, an atmosphere, I, I'll but. say uh, like not to hijack what you're saying. Nope. I go will ahead. say. Like the village would have been a much better movie if they had done that, because otherwise it just feels like they're like torturing um, 
Ron Howard's daughter. I forget what her name is. Right oh, now. Bryce Dallas. Yeah, Howard. Bryce Dallas Howard. Because you realize she lost her vision because they wouldn't go out to get supplies, and then her dad just like sends her out blind. It's it's really messed up, you know. What do you think? I'm on his previous output. I don't think you'd say you hadn't seen the visit yet. I have not seen the visit, but I've seen all his other, other ones efforts. What would you like to know? Oh no, no, no! I was just oh. curious. As I mean, any anticipation? I don't know. No, I. You know what? I saw the sixth sense, and I already knew what was going to happen at the end. Yeah, I did too. By yeah. just watching it, I didn't. I wasn't told. I could just tell. Yeah, because when someone tells pay, you, the thing is, we pay attention when we watch movies. When someone tells me there's going to be a, a twist ending, yeah. I am dissecting every single yeah. frame, and so I already knew. So by this the time is what I'll, I'll say about the visit. I loved it, and I really encourage people to go and watch it, and this is why. Anyone who's saying it's a return to form is spot on, but it's even better. It's not as unique or interesting to me as something, you know, like Unbreakable when he was kind of stepping away from it, but it's just really well done. And um, the thing is, in this film, he does give you hints, and not only gives you hints without spoiling anything here or giving away anything, not only gives you hints, but more importantly... He helps dispel whatever you you already have going in your head. I mean, all three or four of my theories on the film before I saw it, and I didn't read anything online. All of them were covered in the movie, um, and it's it's just it really worked. I'm not saying it's perfect. It's probably I mean I maybe gonna be in my top ten of the year. Uh, I still got a few more months and a lot more films to go through. I am but starting I, to decide mine. Yeah, but I will say it was way better than i ever expected and i don't think i've enjoyed a film this much uh from from him in i don't even know how long i'm, I'm sure that's how I everybody will, feels yeah. but it's just it, the the biggest thing i will say in stuff is is that it definitely is one of the better ones where i think a lot of people especially in his films mm -hmm. go in going is it going to be supernatural or not and that he plays really well in this mm -hmm. and it just fits and in the end it's just uh, there's one or two things it's but it's the other big part of it is totally and anyone knows me knows i love horror comedies and that's exactly what it is it is good on the horror nothing completely overdone but you know it's more suspense than anything yeah mm -hmm. but the, the comedy is it's great like it's just perfectly well, I, what i had heard is uh the movie really excels because he found good actors in it this is true too he did he does find good actors. the kids especially the younger brother he's he's you know really funny the girl is very genuine the older sister um and just everything ties together well there's no loose ends there's no weird like yeah. half-ass kind of things here and i guess it's just one of those things like if it had been a first-time director i mean that's kind of the weird part it's like everyone's going such a return to form he's doing so good it's like god i've been waiting for one for 15 years for him to come up with another good movie and then the other half is going if this is a first-time director i mean you probably would have another like um, you know, another franchise, not a franchise of the film, but a, fr a brand, uh, not a franchise, but a brand. The director yeah. would have probably got three projects. Well, already. I will, mm -hmm. I will say this much. I had an inkling this movie was probably good by the fact that this is the first time I've seen in a really long time the commercial mention that it's an M Night Shyamalan <laughs> movie. <laughs> That's true. The visit will say a new vision from writer director M Night Shyamalan after the. I'm like, okay, they obviously have some faith because they're mentioning that. Because oh, yeah. when devil came out they went out of their way to make sure 
that they didn't it was not an m night Shyamalan movie well if we ever do a worse movies i mean we can go on the last airbender for a while yeah. But uh apparently he's still proud of that movie. Well, I've never seen it though. So. Uh, he has like, a John Claude Van Damme like defense of yeah. that movie. Yes, like. he does. I because I was that's what I was going to mention because I read something to, you know not too long ago where he was basically putting down the people that saw the movie and didn't get it, mm-hmm. saying, "Well, you you didn't you didn't get it. Then it wasn't for you. So then you can't talk about it." And, yeah. and I mean that was kind of the you know. I will say before we get into the meat, like, uh, Adam, did you see the Mr. Robot finale? Yes. Right? What did you think? No, I love, love that show. Yeah. That show, I feel like that's the best show of 2015. We've just talked about it a lot in episodes, so I wanted to make sure you, the listener, didn't think we had written it off or something. Yeah, no, because yeah, because we've yeah we've been gone for a couple yeah. weeks, so and that happened over that that time. Yeah, yeah no, I, I honestly am like really excited to see where they're going to go with the show. Like I'm to, to the point where I I'm like more into this than I was like into Fight Club. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think they like really transcended those. Well, the nice thing about this, a nice thing about the the writer, uh, he has stated that he's all he already has a plan for three seasons, at least three seasons worth mm-hmm. um, figured out before they even started shooting the first season. That's so good. it's not like a true detective sort of thing. Not not that you know those were related to each other. Oh yeah, no, two, no, no. But it's it's not like he's trying to go. Okay, well, first season was so good, you know, and received so well. And now they want me to do a second season. Oh my god, what am I? Because yeah, I almost wondered if they were going to do more. Like I thought it was going to be all. I thought it'd be self contained. Yeah, be but dumb. I realized in rewatching it that there's a lot of things that they can come back to like yeah. Vera disappears and you know he'll probably play a role in what happens and everything. Oh, yeah, they left it on a cliff. Yeah. And 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 will it yeah, it's just there's that show's so good. Yeah. Very good. I haven't watched it yet, but I we have heard so much. anything. No, 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 I, I no, I'm part. saying I haven't heard all right, I haven't seen it yet, but I mean I've definitely heard so many good things. I mean it's I think on my top too. I'm I'm just oh. Always trying to get through so many shows. I just there's just too many. <laughs> yeah. At least get to it before our, our end of the year wrap up. We'll do. Show, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, I, I will say like I, I I am starting to plant those, and I think Mr. Robot clearly is a breakout show. Mm-hmm. And let's not, you know, it's probably coming out on Blu-ray soon. But if you haven't seen it, get Eye Zombie on Blu-ray. Good show. All right. Yep. So now that we've like spent a while catching up, we'll get into the meat of our program here. That's what happens when you go on vacation. I know, right, guys? <laughs> so, uh, we are doing retro recast. So, the movie we are doing a retro recast of is James Gunn's 2014 comedy action adventure guardians of the galaxy no, no surprise who came up with this idea i wonder and it, it actually wasn't going to be guardians of the galaxy at first it was just a conversation that i had with ann thinking of something that had like a good ensemble cast that was more current that we all enjoyed mm-hmm. and that's what came i mean because you guys know how much i love it and i'll talk about it every single gosh darn well i will say it's like i i mean, thinking about this there aren't that many good like ensemble overall ensemble movies made anymore well and i i thought about even doing like the first avengers movie i think that was my first yeah i'm glad you did this instead (laughs) okay well good 
because it's still fresh in our heads. So uh, saying that, um, well, Adam I came up with this this idea, and I really like it. So elaborate on exactly what time period we're going to be casting for. Oh yeah, so I, I figured 1994 says so 20 years uh, before the film. So how how this works is you have the the 2014 guardians of the galaxy and you have this the, you have a very strong cast uh you have a very strong director you just have a very strong film now what if that movie if you took all those elements and brought it back to 1994 who would you cast which within that within the same elements of of age and and uh, uh performance and mm-hmm. and and you know i mean not trying to think of you know the visuals because 1994 you know cgi or practical effects are a lot different than today it's more of just kind of like dream casting retro casting and i think one of the parameters adam sep that i thought was interesting is imagining is that this is part of the marvel cinematic universe of 1994 like marvel has money marvel's a movie making machine yes in 1994 yeah we're playing with multiverse theory yes Yes. the grass tyson (laughs) would say so so why don't we start uh what do you think? Should we start at the very top with like director, or should we start? So at the how very are, bottom? how are do we doing this? Are each of us going? Are we just going? We're going to go one person at a time. Okay. I'm going to write them down. Uh-huh. We'll kind of state the reasons why, or we'll just say, oh, you know, blah, 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 blah. all right. And we're then gonna we're going go to vote. Well, I, I, section uh, right, like director. Yeah. So yeah. say director, and then we'll go say director. Or director. Okay, okay. Blah, blah, blah. that works. That yes. works. Good. And then we're going to vote on which director we really liked. And at the end, we're going to have a mishmash movie and then we'll have like one movie unified list unified <laughs> out of the best choice okay interesting all right yeah. i'm down and then <laughs> we're gonna go sweeten it and get the video camera and make it in the backyard <laughs> sweet sweet or sweet. make out make out in the backyard God, okay, I can't believe who remembers be kind this is becoming <laughs> sleep away camp right now as we speak all right so i guess we'll, we'll start with director then okay I'll start with myself. All right. But, you know, and re- it's really hard putting this stuff together because you know, even though there's like a last minute change on. See, my, mine is com- <sighs> my whole cast and everything is based completely on my director. I, I hmm. yeah, and it, 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 there are a lot of different factors, but um, I went with Lawrence Kasdan. Lawrence Kasdan, the writer of Return of the Jedi and the Empire Strikes Back. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Uh, director of Wyatt Earp. Uh, he also did Dreamcatcher. I think those are like the two, like the big, bigger ones. Okay, then I can probably guess who your uh, Peter Quill may be, but I'll, I'll keep it. <laughs> All right. Why don't you go ahead, Victor? All right, my director is James Cameron. James okay. Cameron of Terminator 1 2 fame. And he had at that time, was it like True Lies? Was that 94? True Lies yes. was 94. So my choices and such are based on James Cameron being approached after the success of Terminator 2. He sees Marvel as a viable company. So in my universe, oh. True Lies does not happen oh. because he directs this instead. Yeah, and that's kind of one of the disclaimers because yeah. there, there was a different way to approach us to say you can't choose somebody who's already attached to something else yeah at that time but i kind of left it open to where yeah it can be you know i mean really just you know it's it's your interpretation yeah. of, of what you want to do so yeah 
And that's kind of where I focused on mine was that I really thought about that time period. And without James Cameron was actually my first pick as well. He was on my so list I'm too. guessing that he isn't. And then my other one, of course, was Spielberg. But I'm discounting him because he's making Jurassic Park at this time. Sure. Okay. So I'm just going to say like he did that. So I'm going to go <laughs> with a really oddball choice Do because it. I'm thinking of the studio and going, what can we get at a bargain basement price? Pre-Cutthroat Island, Rennie Harlan. Okay. This is exciting now. Because <laughs> I can see this happening. All right. So, okay. So okay. now we go to the to Peter Quill, right? I think we. I just did mine in order of the way you sent the list. Yeah. I just want to make yeah. sure. So yep. we're all in the yeah. same one. All right. So, Adam. Okay. Peter Quill. This was the hardest choice for oh yeah me too i filled in everything else and then i was just this was the last one that i filled in i probably had maybe about three or four top picks and this was a last minute entry that wasn't initially on my list that i just threw in because i was like the age was right the 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 swagger was right and the time was right bruce campbell huh interesting interesting (laughs) interesting all right. So, my 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 Peter Quill is again based on uh James Cameron being the director. <laughs> so, I had I went a couple ways with this. Mm-hmm. Um initially my pick was going to be Brad Pitt because he was on the short list right. to be uh the main guy in Titanic a few years later and he wasn't doing much in his career right now he had made true romance in 1992 right he had legends of the fall in 93 yeah he was sexiest man alive in 95 yeah and he so did this make is, interview the vampire in yeah 94, so this is so, basically right. yeah this is the thing like so i was like okay i could go that way but instead, I went with. <laughs> wiggle, wiggle, wiggle. This is who I went with. I went with Rafe Fines. He was on my list too. Yes, he was Ra- on my list Rafe as well. Fiennes. Because I was thinking of Spielberg with Schindler's yeah. List. Yeah, he just. My my thinking was he just done Schindler's List, so he was looking for a lighter role to decompress. And I know he has a relationship with James Cameron because a few years later he would be in Strange Days, which is directed by Catherine Bigelow, where he pretty much plays like a Star Lordish character. So Rafe Fiennes is my pick. All right. So, going down the path here that I'm going down is, is that if it hasn't been completely clear, I'm taking the corporate road instead of trying to be the dream fanboy thing. Sure. I'm going You're with doing what? the practical the movie. movie. I'm doing the seriously. This is, I am the producer. This is what like, Ron Perlman, <laughs> who ran Marvel at the time, was the head of Revlon. Yes. Watch straight up. And I'm going. And it's funny because actually we're really on the same page because I really did think of Ray Fiennes and I thought Brad Pitt immediately. Those are my top two, but I'm going to go with the corporate route. And actually this is where the safe, you know, cause I'm going between, I'm going to say they tried to make a big budget film, but only spend money on a couple big stars. Okay. So my views is that they went out and go, well, we want someone who can be charismatic and funny but also has proved themselves, you know, as a as a star in like 
action oriented films and I actually went with Tom Cruise out of all of them wow I was yeah. gonna say if nobody picks Tom Cruise I'm gonna be yeah, shocked because I really think he I, I really do like Ray Fiennes and Brad Pitt but I think Tom Cruise at that point in his career the studio would be going we need to have that marquee name well you number know one. Tom Cruise did try to make Iron Man for like 10 years I do remember that yeah, yeah. so that, that he'd be my pick alright so now we are on Gamora which is played by Zoe Saldana. Yes. And is green. Yes. And uh, I I tried to think of somebody at the and she was 37 Zoe 37. Um but I, I this one was tough. Okay, all these were tough. I'm just going to say it right now. But it more fit maybe with who I originally had for Chris Pratt. And I'm not going to reveal any of that stuff until we're actually done like with our thing. Okay. But, um, I went with Sandra Bullock. Now she's, at, she was she's one of my picks enough. at, and Ruby like laughed when I said, Sandra. well, no, well think of, I mean, it's funny now to think of like with, you know, Miss Congeniality. No, but she was in like a things. demolition, but man. demolition man yes. came out the year before. Um, so she was just, her star was just starting yeah. to rise. And I remember when I saw demolition man back in 93, mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that girl has something. Yeah. And I like that, you know, she was, you know, fit and like kicking ass and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And kind of funny too. And I thought she'd be a good fit. You're serious. You're thinking the same way where you're using that version of them that existed in that time frame. Yes, so, yeah. so am I. Yeah. All right. My pick for Gamora is Tia Carrera. Oh, I didn't even think of her. Because we all know that, uh, you know, Zoe Saldana is kind of like ethnically dubious and we want to get, you know, that kind of make it as broad and appealing to everyone as possible. Mm-hmm. And she was also in True Lies. She was. Which doesn't happen in my universe. And it proves she has a James Cameron connection. <laughs> and she was hot off of the Wayne's World movies. True. So, Tia Carrera and Ray Fiennes are my leads. All right. For Gamora, I actually also picked Sandra Bullock. Oh, so, if nice. we're not having right. uh, twosies or whatever, or, uh, you know, can't, can't double up on. But I really, I actually went down the same line of thinking. Um, Speed came out in 94, so I'm really going on Demolition Man. But I do think it's that I look at her, especially under the makeup, mm-hmm. and that's what I see. Is mm-hmm. I really do see Sandra Bullock because someone who's smart, physically fit, attractive, um, but it wouldn't the makeup wouldn't diminish her facial or any of the other things. It just it just seems like her. Yeah. It just she even kind of has her features, her yeah. cheekbones, her ears and stuff. It is kind of almost alien. And just and a little bit of that kind of sarcasm. It, yeah, it's it's very funny. Much it, you know, smart ass. It is of. funny how we were almost three for three on Sandra Bullock. Mm-hmm. It, but then I just went the other way. I'm like, I just want the ninety you had peer pressure. I just want the ninety four <laughs> version of Zoe Saldana. Yeah. I had also thought my only other comment on that was I really was trying to think of maybe some again people who might have accepted less money and i really kind of thought the studio might go with like a jennifer jason lee mm-hmm. or a character like that I, it doesn't seem like a good pick but i'm also again remember but I'm she was to doing rip- a lot of indie movies that she was time, and i'm so. but also one for me one for them kind yeah, of thing sure i was trying to think of people like that in some of mine all right yep so we got so next. now we are on drax, drax the destroyer played by batista yeah, 46 years old at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, last year at the time. Well, you know, I wasn't too long. He was probably still 46 years old. Uh, do you remember the movie Once Were Warriors? Mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, then then the, I went with uh, Tamara Morrison. Oh, who, you, you went with Django Fett. Yeah, with Django Fett. Yeah. Which he wasn't so much like 
Django Fett in Once Were Warriors. I'm going off that character in Once Were Warriors. I mean, I mean, he was Dave. He was Drax. Yeah. Um, with a much meaner edge to him. But I mean, the build and everything just. Um, and then his acting, I think, is. I think the Django Fett thing was just a complete. It, it diminished his his credibility for me. But um, yeah. Uh, the Once Were Warriors just that's what sold me on it. All right. So, Tamara Morrison. All right. So, here's where we get into where my universe is spending a lot of money on a guy. <laughs> All right. This is my uh, big budget pick here because I think these two, like, this is a universe where James Cameron gets to work with somebody he'd wanted to work with for a while in that time period. And that is my pick. And my pick is Sylvester Stallone as Drax the Destroyer because he had the buffness to make it happen at the time mm -hmm. i could see him being okay with being painted up and he could deliver his one-liners and have it work with the character so there we go sylvester stallone as drax the destroyer <laughs> nothing goes over my head i would reach up and catch it oh, oh my <laughs> kirby uh, you know, no, I, I thought Stallone as well. I mean, I definitely, like I said, I'm thinking from the studio side. And for me, it's like, I got to think of the big names. And I think of the big guys. And, the and, you know, it's funny. In a sidebar, I could have thought, um, I was thinking about Wrestler. You know, I was thinking Jake oh, the yeah, Snake. No, thinking yeah. of, like, Predator. Thinking mm -hmm. of films. I just don't think any of the wrestlers at that time, even, like, the biggest Hulk Hogan kind of guys and stuff like that, I just don't think wrestling had made the transition no. to acting at that time right and so i'm gonna go with my other big marquee name which is gonna be schwarzenegger okay which i definitely see him and as a side note if the studio is trying to save money i think we could have got russell crowe on the bargain bin okay so i'm thinking that off of uh well i don't think Ron, what is romper stomper 95 yeah. But I think he would have been out on that. I think he would have. Because I did. I thought about him as well. I think I he would have been that. on the casting call, and that's kind of where I'm not trying to make two picks. I just think that you really got to go with where the money is, and and in my feature, it's like I'm just trying to think of some good marquee. Yeah, because I because I thought of that romper stomper. I was also thinking of uh, well, what was later was like with Bronson and stuff like that. Like just those. Mm. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> those creepy guys I definitely think it would have to be a big guy so everybody yeah. Oh, yeah. picks somebody yeah. who was reasonably sized yeah. alright so now we are on Groot who is voiced by Vin Diesel it would probably have to be like a puppet or animation I'm thinking or whatever like yeah. I said you know it doesn't matter it's still gonna be <laughs> when you said that all I can start thinking of is uh Corman's Fantastic Four mm -hmm. that's just the very first thing that pops <laughs> in my mind cause yeah yeah uh, I, I went with the flying hawkman brian blessed oh and uh, i could see that i suppose i could see that i mean it's all it's only really one line with mm -hmm. kind of different inflections but he has yeah. kind of the deep boomy voice yeah. of course you know i had the other deep boomy voice man on there who's attached to lawrence kasdan but maybe i just didn't want to hit it so close on the head you know mm -hmm. interesting i really stand by your directors yeah <laughs> no it's true i mean it's it's a good though that's going to be tough to choose. So, my pick for Groot is Arnold Schwarzenegger. I think it works. It gets him with the James Cameron connection. And you can still... He would probably do it as a favor to uh, Sylvester and James Cameron. Just come in and just go, I am Groot. 
I am Groot, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yes. No, it works. Yeah. So Arnold Schwarzenegger is Groot. So I'm thinking 1994 for Groot. And I'm going to go pitch shifted voice of James Earl Jones. <laughs> That's so it's awesome. not too too specific to us so they don't vader get sued but physically suited by kevin peter hall i was thinking the same thing yeah. i was thinking the same thing that's funny yeah so that's definitely what i have to go with yeah all right We're so at. now we are on rocket rocket the other voice all right. Uh, this one was also a last-minute thing um, that just kind of just kind of popped in there and, and worked. Uh, you know, I was thinking of people like Joe Pesci. I was trying to think of you know maybe like a New York sarcastic, you know, the kind of the more popular voices Jared mm -hmm. at the time, or you know even like James Gandolfini and things like that. Mm -hmm. But I settled on Bruce Willis. Oh, interesting. Really interesting choice. I like that. Because he has such a recognizable voice, but he, you know he could he could kind of you know give it the kind of the Bradley Cooper where it's not completely recognizable, but have just enough of that smart ass and emotion to it too, mm -hmm. you know. So my pick for Rocket Raccoon is Tom Arnold. And before it gets controversy, I will say this was the era of Tom Arnold was the early 90s. Well, true lies. You're talking about yes. one of his best roles ever. Exactly. So in a universe where true lies doesn't happen and he still has a James Cameron, he still wants to showcase Tom Arnold as the buddy. And in True Lies, <laughs> you mainly only hear him oh, as a voice because he's always in oh, Arnold's ear gosh. as the wind man. Wow. So Tom Arnold is Rocket Raccoon. Wow. Yeah, yours really did just kind of, I mean, you, you put like James Cameron right on that cliff and then everything just kind of tripped. Oh, yeah. Down. No, I'm, I'm, as it goes it's on. It's a total slinky of a movie yeah. right there. I feel like my movie could have happened. <laughs> Might have to erase this podcast because someone's going to steal it. <laughs> so I think on the, uh, again, kind of like with the Groot thing, being very focused on the voice. And I'm thinking 94 where voice actors are just not well respected. I would actually go with a respected voice actor, and I kind of like the James Earl Jones. One of the first people I thought was Frank Oz. Mm -hmm. And this is one where I really could not decide, because I thought Frank Oz, Frank Welker, Jim Cummings. Right. But I'm also thinking enough, funny enough is, is that I like the idea that you guys have of somebody being super recognizable, but I, as a studio, think <laughs> that they would go with somebody who didn't have a recognizable voice, just had a good voice for the role. So I'm going to go yep. with one of those guys. And I'm actually going to go with this time when The Simpsons was on top of the world, that they would either go with Hank Azaria or Harry Shearer with a physical suit by Warwick Davis. Okay, I can see that. A bulky rocket Wait, raccoon so but still hank azaria is your pick yeah i'm gonna go with hank azaria or okay. harry shear whichever one is available at the time which one are you gonna pick you gotta pick one gotta i'm gonna go one. with harry shear then every right. time because mr burns is my my main man all right but yeah sorry again for the divisiveness there but it's just it's or undecided nature but it's really like i said thinking voice actors not being as big Oh, yeah. But I do like the idea of either and Tom Arnold as Rocket Raccoon <laughs> or Bruce Willis, both of them. Mm -hmm. That was a hard one for me. Okay, so now we have the prodigal son, Ronan. Ronan. I chose Michael Ironside. Interesting. He was my initial pick. He just, he has that, I, I love his rage. Yeah. It's kind of like a, I don't know, it's, it's like wearing a big ice cube on your head. 
and just not enjoying the fact that you have an ice cube on your head. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that means, but that's Michael Ironside for me. There you go. So staying true to my line of thinking, obviously my pick for Ronan, the accuser is I have two here, so I have to really decide right now. <laughs> no, 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 just no. Kirby. Okay, okay. Who cares? Ed Harris. Because I think it would presage how he's really good at playing creepy characters now mm-hmm. with interesting voices. And he was the lead in The Abyss. Also, James Cameron joint. Ed Harris, Ronan. Ed Harris. I thought it was interesting that Adam said what, who he had to pick last was um, the Star-Lord. And for me... Ronan was actually the last one. I, I will pick. say, who do you have? Just, to, just my my uh, the one I had scratched out was Bruce Willis, so it was almost Bruce. Willis. Who was your last pick? Oh, Ed Harris. No, no, no. Who was the, the one you had the hardest time trying to come up with? I would say actually Ronan or Yondu. Ronan was my hardest, and when it came to me, it was the easiest one by far. Dolph Lundgren. Okay. Yeah. Throw, I, throw, I, throw I the makeup yep. and the hood on him. Yeah. He doesn't have to speak necessarily a huge amount in the film, and when he does, it's very imposing, matching his stature. And um, it's just one of those ones where he literally, yeah, I had could him just be there and uh, as uh, Drax or Ronan. Yeah, he's just one of those guys who. He was another one, too, I thought of as Drax, but I just think under the makeup and stuff, they could get away with it and just not have to even worry oh, about yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Yondu? Yondu. Yondu. Trying to find a Michael Rooker, a 60-year-old, a 60-year-old-ish actor, because obviously he has to be older than, than Peter Quill, um, or probably around the same what age that Peter Quill's dad would be, so... I couldn't go with anybody younger than, you know, around like that six to 55 to, you know, 65 year old. Um, see if you recognize this name, James Tolkien. Oh yeah. He's a slacker. Yes. That's a good pick. I mean, it's almost just kind of fit in. Cause you think of like Michael Rooker, he was also masters of the universe. Yes. Uh, and, and that's what Which I, was... I just recently rewatched on Netflix that really yeah. hammered the Dolph home. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that that was one of the things that solidified it for me. But um, because I tried to think of like Michael Rooker, this one was a hard one too to to do Yondu. Uh, I mean, even though you love Michael Rooker and you love watching him do his thing, that's what James Tolkien does too. Mm -hmm. There's not like anything that I've seen that he's been in where he hasn't been like pretty much the same guy. And he has a bald head and he could just throw in there and he's like, oh, you know, you you dumb kid, you know, that sort of thing. So next. So, I, I thought about a few, di- like Ruby had suggested, why can it just still be Michael Rooker? You know, that seemed like an interesting proposition at the time. And then I had thought of like a few different names. Really riding that Henry Porcher of a serial killer fame. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> you know, so I ultimately, like I had, for a minute he was Michael Bean. And mm-hmm. then I was like, because I wanted to stick him in there somewhere. And then, oh, Woody Harrelson. But then Woody Harrelson would be good now. I don't think he was old enough then. No. Yeah. No. Right. So ultimately, I went with Lance Hendrickson. And he was, that was a name that I uh, I wanted to shoehorn into one of the characters, but just couldn't. Mm-hmm. But so, that, that keeps with your uh, yeah. uh, Cameron line. Yes. Yeah. So, Kirby. Bloodline. Interestingly, 
as we keep hitting each other's heads, I went with Woody Harrelson because see, I just the, didn't the, think he was yeah, old enough. The, the age did really bother me, but again, thinking with the studio's perspective, he was riding a pretty good crest at the time, and most importantly. Is that I, I mean he definitely has the same mannerisms mm. as Michael Rooker, but this is an alternate universe thing, and I'm thinking of him basically playing natural born killers yeah. as a Yondu, and I think with a little bit of makeup and a little bit, it would it would have worked. Obviously, also being under the makeup, I think ages you. Yeah, it can make you ageless. That's true, because like I did, and that's a tough choice yeah. too. Because I briefly also considered James Woods. He's I, yeah, he's another guy. Yeah, I did too. Yeah. yeah. All right, so um, I think it's personality on that one that was the real win yeah. out over everything else. Yeah, uh, Nebula. 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 Karen Gillian, twenty eight years old. Uh, I was trying to think of someone that had kind of a little nasty side that could do the physicality of the role, but not necessarily have to be a gymnast. Um, and then I was thinking about the films at the time. There were a couple names that were floating around. I finally settled with Jennifer Jason Lee. Interesting. Because so. just a year before that, she had single white female, and she was terrifying in that. Hmm. All right. That's why I mentioned her before, too. She right. was kind of someone who would have, I think, been tossed around her name in mm -hmm. the casting call. So in a few different ways with this. Um, originally, my pick for, for Nebula was Jeanette Goldstein who played Vasquez in Aliens. Mm -hmm. um, but then I realized around this time she was actually winding down her career and she had just made Terminator 2 and was not in that shape So a few years before. So then I decided, <laughs> I decided to go a similar route um, with Crazy, since she'd have to be crazy in a lot of makeup. So I went with Juliette Lewis. Who, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Who would later end up being in uh, Strange Days? So right. connection still exists. <laughs> That's good because you know you can. It's it's a younger role. Yeah, and yeah, she's she's always batshit. Yeah, Kirby. Yeah, I actually went with one you actually had picked, and uh, but also using the parameters or the designs that uh, Adam suggested, where you'd have to have someone be young enough, attractive enough. Most importantly, have the martial arts skills, and that's Tia Carrera. <laughs> Interesting. Carrera, and I think as a, um, I think she looked really good under that makeup, um, and she was riding the Wayne's World, and she still had a, a pretty good buzz, and then obviously was in True Lies as the villainous mm -hmm. sidekick. So yeah. I mean, I just I think it's one one that just fits perfectly. All right, good. So our next person is Karath. Yeah. It was Jaimin Hansu. Jaimin Hansu, 51 years old. I this, don't think the age plays that big of it. No, not so much. Yeah. But it was still, I kind of I, I kind of just went with like how they did it off their own page, too. I kind of stuck with the age thing uh, for most of them. Um, I went with Louis Gossett Jr. Interesting. His, his career really wasn't doing anything at that time so much. He had uh, worn makeup the, before, too. The, uh, yeah, he did the um, Enemy Mine. But the thing was is that uh, once, you know, that whole Iron Eagle 4, whatever he ended up with, yeah. once all that was done, he really wasn't a presence anywhere. So I think he would be taking, uh, you know, pretty much anything that was thrown at him at that time. And he has such a, a very recognizable persona and presence mm -hmm. that it would have given because even um you know in the 2014 uh you know he he 
he he he stood out from everyone else. That's why I included it on the list because mm-hmm. it would have to be someone that that has like a certain presence to them. All right, so I went a few different ways with this because I figured this would be a '90s movie, so um, he wouldn't be so strictly badass as he is in the real Guardians of the Galaxy. So for a while, I thought maybe even his uh, race didn't matter. So for a while, it was Rob Schneider. <laughs> <laughs> For a while, and then we it was see Judge oh, yeah. didn't we? For a while, it was Chris Tucker, but ultimately, I decided to stay on task and decide since Stallone was in this movie, he's really good friends with Wesley Snipes. So he Wesley was, was Snipes well. is Karath in my version, because at this point he was still kind of just doing his sort of B movie kind of. So this would be well, like... We did Demolition Man together. Yeah. So this would kind of be like, Hey, Wesley, you want to be in this movie I'm making? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. He is... Uh, he is actually... I can see Adam dying. Oh, no, this, yeah, I know the second that Rob I... Schneider. Oh, Jesus. He, Rob Schneider was also on my initial list to be Rocket at first. <laughs> All I can think of is South Park. Rob Schneider is like it's <laughs> Rob <South> Schneider is <laughs> rocking. <laughs> when you said race didn't matter, I'm still thinking of an imposing like presence. Yeah, not not exactly that. What an interesting pick. Um, but I actually also went with Wesley Snipes. Uh-huh. And, but my alternate choice, and this is where it's kind of weird that I went on a different. So it's not Wesley Snipes you picked. No, it is Wesley oh, Snipes. Oh, you did Wesley Yeah, sorry. Snipes. We are on the same page okay. on that one. But I was going to say that my other backup pick, just because we're throwing around names of how we got to our conclusion, my other big one was I really did spend some time thinking about Alien 3, and I thought of Charles S. Dutton. Oh, interesting. I also thought it would be a, a good good pick. Well, but, this would have been when he was doing Rock. Yes. Yeah. So, again, it's, it's real, you know, lining up the chronologies. But he's another guy I think would have been a... Uh, a really good actor in that. I thought of Mario Van Peebles. Wow, oh, that's an interesting pick. That's but a really I, good I, but pick. I think like his ego at the time just wouldn't allow him yeah. to play such a small role, so I passed on him. Uh, what do we have? Corpsman Day. Day. That's the John, John C. Riley. Riley's part. So I tried to go with someone who had kind of his little comedic swagger to him, mm-hmm. um, and and a little bit of kind of that uh, recognizability. Um, as long as they could kind of maybe hone him back a little bit, but he has been more subdued in roles as of lately. I went with Dan Aykroyd. Mm. All right. Dan Aykroyd. So I picked Bill Paxton because uh, he like he's in every James Cameron movie pretty much, and in the 90s they were really trying to make him like somebody to notice for a while when i first started this bill paxton was a star lord on my list because i could have seen you know he was like kind of like the de facto lead in titanic and this was not too long before twister Mm -hmm. but ultimately i thought that the studio wouldn't go for bill paxton for such a big experimental movie so corpseman day is bill paxton in my version hmm for me, I uh, I actually went based on appearance, um, and uh, kind of thought of another big franchise at the time, even though he was a small actor. And I went with Colm Meany from Star Trek: Oh Yeah, The Next Generation, mm-hmm. and 
layer Deep Space Nine would have been at the time. So, yeah, I think he has kind of that sideways got, smile. But he, and, but he has a good sense of humor. He has a very. He always had some great comebacks in both those shows, oh, and he could play an intense guy if you want. And he could play a more. He was very serious. He's a guy who's only like really come into his own as a character actor in the last ten years, I think. Yeah, but yeah. at the time, I I think he could have pulled it off pretty well. Oh, yeah. All right, Nova Prime. Nova Prime. Who is Played Glenn Close? Glenn Close, sixty-eight years old. Kind of tough to see somebody fit in that role at sixty-eight. There's so many different factors, and especially back in 1994, there really wasn't a, a lot of people who were, you know, almost seventy uh, females with such a strong presence. I almost wanted to say again, just do, just have Glenn Close be, be Nova Prime. I, I almost thought of doing the same thing, um, but. And this was one of my last entries because I was just really just searching, searching, searching for someone until this name popped up and I was just titillated by it. Cloris Leachman. Interesting. All right. Cloris Leachman. So for my pick, I picked Angela Bassett. Later would be in Strange Days, and I just kind of went with the idea that if they were making this a franchise, eventually she would hop into the battle fray, and it gets her, you know, gives us some more diversity there. Mm-hmm. You know, shines a little light on her. I assumed she would have the dreadlocks, so she would kind of look alienish in like a Buckaroo Banzai kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, she's great. Good pick. I uh again kind of really looked at who would have been available at the time and since it's a smaller role it's not something that's going to be a big marquee name and i base this because i was thinking about the age thing with this one mm-hmm. but i really think the best way to go with this is based on one performance and that's the film orlando so i picked tilda swinton oh that's that's a good pick would still be good now yeah and she does have kind of a very mature look but then she can look extremely young so yeah kind of timeless so if they did a prequel, she's, you know... Yeah, set that's go. actually another way to look <laughs> at it. And now we are on The Collector, played by Benicio. And I think that's Del our Mar- final casting. I yeah. will say in my version, Dick, the Dick Miller cameo would be the broker. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Sure. Uh, you know, you know, and, and who I forgot off this list was uh, Thanos. Yeah, no, well, I was actually going to say that when we were talking about... Um, or wasn't going to say, I was going to say... It's funny. I'm thinking of Josh Brolin, and then going, "Let's just get, let's get James that, Brolin." That's let's what just, I was about to let's say. Let's just yeah. call. Let's just call it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but for the the collector was kind of fun to think about. Um, and again, this was where I went through a whole bunch of names, but it wasn't until I just ran across the one that I I would just love to see as the collector, Brad Dourif. Interesting. Great pick. I mean, he's just such an oddball. You know, you're trying to think of that oddball. I mean, I love Benicio Del Toro as a collector. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Brad Dourif is always, I mean, he's always been one of my favorite, favorite performers. And, and how he can just give you those eyes and then shed a tear just like whenever he wants to. Uh, the times that that would be utilized, um, especially, you know, after, you know, when he'd be talking to Howard mm-hmm. the Duck or whatever. Spoiler alert, but whatever. It would just be so delightful. I just want to see it right now. <laughs> so for my pick for the collector, I wanted to do something like put a character actor who's like dead now, but 
but that I would have liked to see do something interesting for a final performance, like, you know, or somebody who's retired. So I went about this a few, like I first, for a while I was thinking Sean Connery, cause he never got to be like in a good genre movie. Mm-hmm. I was thinking Dennis Hopper, cause he would probably just go to town with it. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately I decided to stay on task and I went with Charlton Heston, who is also in True Lies, and in the 90s was very cool with being in makeup because he was in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes in full ape makeup. So I could imagine him just, you know, crazy makeup and just, you know, like the six infinity gems, you know. (laughs) So Charlton Heston is my pick. Gosh, which kind of reminds me of Tom Waits. Mm -hmm. Say it with me. Heller. (laughs) Kirby? Well, as I adjust my suit and tie here, I think of the rising star at the time, and to me it's the the only one that instantly was the first and only pick for me, and that is Jim Carrey. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. And I know people are going, why? And I said, because I say this in this version, the collector is not just, I mean, is the eclectic exuberant individual it's not full-on his riddler role or his mask role but it's just somewhere there where he is that just bizarre personality i can just see him ramping up the mannerisms and stuff like that but just that the he's seeing him literally in benicio del toro's outfit makeup and hair and oh, yeah. seeing him do it it just completely even the the, the more uh uh villainous kind of thing like do they have elbows you know i can see him mm-hmm. saying it with like venom so that's a good that's a good out of the box pick there i would not have thought of that and i think it works really well cool. holy moly so now we have our so should we try to do a last minute thanos well i i think kirby already said it no i think we were both we were just a lot of us we were really all on the same page yeah with a lot of people we had very different um no i'm saying with thanos oh no thanos yeah yeah who did no, you that's say funny. uh james brolin yeah just go with james brolin, brolin. instead of but actually i don't funny, really think that, james brolin has a lot of gravitas i think i think under the makeup he would have but again i'm thinking 94 style uh-huh. and now it's kind of funny that we said charlton heston he just seems like just the, you know, Moses paternal kind of yeah. patriarch, you know, overlord kind of thing. He probably could make it work, too. It definitely would be somebody who was, a, I think, an established actor yeah. with a lot of oh, yeah. presence. Like mm-hmm. a Lawrence Olivier, maybe. They also may have just taken mine and gone, no, we're going to James Earl Jones voice it and just I could go with that. Be like James a, Earl Jones as Thanos would be really cool. Yeah, just stick him in the role. Yeah. Yeah, because he actually could do it, too. So, you got a lot of, you mm-hmm. know, I think it all just depends on what technology you'd be using at the time or effect. And that's the really interesting part I did try to He approach. could just be an unseen force, or they could do some kind of, like, a stop motion kind of Phil Tippett kind of thing. He said unseen. You know, I really just thought Galactus from Fan- yeah. Fantastic Four, <laughs> Silver Surfer. I'll go with a Phil Tippett kind of technology to bring him to life. There we go. And, you know, I... I, I I don't even think we have to like vote on which one would be like the ultimate out of all this because we all we all approached it in our own like different ways to where it works. I think the only thing that I want to do is I want to mention maybe some that I I, I didn't use that I really wanted to use, mm-hmm. um, especially for uh, for Quill 
my initial one was Christian Slater. Dude, he was a little yeah, no, he was yeah. the other one. I he was on mine. He was initially like mine. Be, yeah, but I couldn't think of a way to make it because I looked like. Is there any Christian Slater, James Cameron connection? There isn't any. <laughs> Um, I also had Jennifer Connelly as Gamora for a while. Oh, that's a great one. And then I also thought, well, you know, maybe Cameron Diaz. You know, what other one did I have? It's strange that I thought Christian Slater and Cuffs, out of all things, for his quill kind of like performance. <laughs> yeah. I actually didn't think of like a true romance or anything. Uh, well, for Gamora, I thought of Michelle Yeoh. Okay. I thought she would fit in. Mm-hmm. Would she done uh, Super Cop at the time? Yeah, at that time she was still doing like the. the no, that was ninety seven. That was that. No, that was like was that ninety seven? I'm trying to remember what she was no, doing. Yeah, Super Cop was a little bit later because she really wasn't doing anything that was in the U S. at that time. Um, she's still doing like South Korean movies. Um, whose phone is going off? You're Mind. fired. <laughs> uh, that's why I kind of left her office because she didn't really have like anything in the u.s at the, any kind of exposure i also did think of rio owen and owen from uh once were warriors again the the wife mm-hmm. um in that role i, th- uh, I did think of uh jean renault for Corsman day if we were going for a more kindly oh, yeah. mm-hmm. you know i do think jack nicholson probably could have been thanos i thought jack nicholson in the i think it was, i think i had him down for yondu that's what i was gonna say mm-hmm at one point for a little bit for the longest time is just kind of sitting there and then i changed it it's but. funny how many of the people we picked are interchangeable in roles yeah like or vo- either voice or physical form mm-hmm. like like a james Earl jones arnold schwarzenegger yeah, had, tia carrera like uh, a couple other people i know yeah. we all mentioned at least no one i had one. bill paxton down as three different parts on here yeah you know wouldn't that be an interesting movie <laughs> you were super dedicated to james cameron man i'll yeah, give it was, to you you really well, made that happen i just wanted to approach it like if this movie actually did happen this would probably be the most likely you know yeah how he carries through with yeah because he's like one of those people with. who like yeah so that in that case it made mine sort of easier by like just sort of like staying, staying on task in, yeah in the end it's kind of funny i couldn't find a part for michael bean so I, I, I assume he ended up on the cutting neither room can, floor. Neither can everybody, anybody else. They can never find a part for Mike. He would probably be one of the Ravagers, I assume. I was just going to say, He would yeah. probably be the one that is a Sean Gunn, the Ravager Sean yeah. Gunn played. And then all he would do is complain that he doesn't get any more good roles. And bitter. He's such a bitter, bitter man. <laughs> Anyways, I th- yeah, I think that, you know, that's it. Yeah, I think that's a good pretty well cast there well, that was fun what do you guys think yeah. who do you, who do you think there. should be cast in this 1994 guardians of the galaxy Leave your comments mm-hmm. below what yeah i i assume that uh kirby's would probably be pr- produced by jerry bruckheimer <laughs> i'm trying to think how big jerry Bruckheimer. it's really weird the reason i thought of rennie harlan first and foremost was because i thought die hard 2 and just that he was so well known at the time and it's i think especially from watching the never sleep again nightmare on elm street documentary uh-huh. where he explains how he got nightmare on elm street part four and just his kind of attitude and just his his role at the time pre-cutthroat island again right. and i also have to say that would have been hard because i'm sure he would have wanted gina davis because i think they were at least dating at that point to be gamora i will say or, gamora uh, probably could have worked i was kind of surprised she didn't show up as nebula who did you have for nebula here 
I had um, Tia, Tia Carrera. Carrera. Yeah, I think she, in, in your version, probably would have ended up being Gina Davis. Probably. I, I just think that one of the big ones, too, is just really thinking of the people and the time period and that they had to be, like, if they were going to be in, like, a real more physically active role, mm. you know. But there's just, there was so many people who could have been in any of Is these. there anybody that you guys are, like, surprised we didn't pick? I was kind of expecting one of us to pick Carrie Elwes for Peter Quill. He's an interesting one. I also thought of uh, Pre Crow. If you think about this film being filmed in 93, I was thinking Brandon Lee yeah. as Ronan at one point, too. Because, again, Dolph Showdown, Little Tokyo kind of thing. Yeah. Weirdly enough, I was thinking Michael Wincott for Ronan because of the voice. Very interesting. I don't think there's anything that I was surprised. Uh, did you mention Jamie Lee Curtis in anything? No, but in, I didn't. But she was in, 36 yeah, at the time. In the version I originally conceived with Bill Paxton as a Peter Quill, Jamie Lee Curtis would have been Gamora. But see, well, yeah, see, what it, it really depended on who Peter Quill was. Yeah. Like if I had my Sandra Bullock and uh, and Christian Slater, I thought that they would have worked well together. Yeah. Because they were, they were kind of the, the antithesis of each other. Yeah. You know, uh, Robert Downey Jr. I thought would be a good uh, rocket. I just don't think he was very bankable at the time. No, he wasn't, but Rocket's not really a bank. What The, the way that I was kind of looking at it, too, is I, that's why I knew who's like People Magazine's Sexiest Man yeah. Alive was in 1995, is because I looked to find someone who was the same uh, sex meter as, as <laughs> Kirby. I looked oh, right at Kirby when I said that. Hey. And just like lost it. Uh, as as you, you you take Bradley and then you use, you, you utilize like, this guy who's like it was one of people's sexiest man alive and then and 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 just use his voice yeah so that's kind of where i was my reason i was just going i I tried to approach it the way they tended to do like animated or funny characters then was like oh get a comedian to do it for a minute i was thinking like rodney dangerfield might be good as like uh, a rocket and then i was thinking oh i could just go the full over danger was like uh that's actually what i was thinking (laughs) And uh, it was like Lance Henriksen, like could have been, uh, could have been Rocket, and then Tom Arnold could have been Corpsman Day, mm-hmm. and I thought that would have worked just as well. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of interesting how he brought up the people thing, but honestly. Uh, my research method was simple. I went and looked at the top grossing films from 1993 and 1994, looked at who starred in them. If I obviously I knew almost all of them from the top, and then a few of mine I picked my black sheep, my uh, dark horse kind of candidates. But everything else was because no matter what film it was, the studio is still going to say you got to have at least a couple yeah. bankable stars. Right. Oh yeah. And I mean, and it was like I had to pick at least a couple people that I knew were going to be the bulk of that budget. And just go with them. Oh, and Billy Zane was almost uh, Ronan in mind too for a minute. I That's a good pick too. List, yeah. yeah, he's still hoping for a Phantom too, but yeah. we'll see what happens. Yeah. All right. So well, overall, I think uh, we did. Uh, we put a lot of thought into this. I, oh, I feel yeah. honestly, I feel any of these could have been a, like an actual movie. Um. I, I would I do like looking at Adams I kind of would expect the producers to argue why can't Bruce Willis be uh, Peter Quill oh sure yeah but other than that I could imagine like that one like being pretty much no problem whatever happened is is Louis Gossett Jr. still alive actually yes he is wow yeah um, I was actually gonna ask that myself 
Yeah, looking, it's strange. I've never seen him at a con ever in my life. Yeah, and usually when people fade into obscurity, I usually start seeing him at cons. So yeah, and just to recap, you know, for for the directors of our versions, Adam picked Lawrence Kasdan. I picked James Cameron. Uh, Kirby picked Rennie Harlan for Peter Quill. Uh, Adam had Bruce Campbell. I had Ray Fiennes. Kirby had Tom Cruise. For Gamora, uh, Adam had Sandra Bullock, and so did Kirby, and I had Tia Carrera. For Drax, um, Adam had Tamara Morrison. I had Sylvester Stallone, and Kirby had Arnold Schwarzenegger. For Groot, Adam had Brian Blessed. I had Arnold Schwarzenegger, and Kirby had James Earl Jones. Uh, for Rocket Raccoon, Adam had Bruce Willis. I had Tom Arnold, and Kirby went with Harry Shearer when forced to at gunpoint. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard. For Ronan the Accuser, Adam went with Michael Ironside. I went with Ed Harris, and Kirby went with Dolph Lundgren. Uh, for Yondu, uh, Adam went with James Tolkien. I went with Lance Henriksen. Kirby went with Woody Harrelson. Nebula, Adam is Jennifer Jason Lee. I went with Juliet Lewis. Kirby went with Tia Carrera. Karath, Adam is uh, Louis Gossett Jr. And me and Kirby both went with Wesley Snipes. Corpsman Day, Adam went with Ad Dan Aykroyd. I went with Bill Paxton. And Kirby went with the Dark Horse Cole Meany. Nova Prime, Adam <laughs> was at Cloris Leachman. I picked Angela Bassett, and Kirby went with Tilda Swinton. And for The Collector, Adam went with Brad Dourif. I went with Charlton Heston, and Kirby went with Jim Carrey. So overall, I think, for the most part, I, I would watch any of our versions. Sorry, I was a little away from the microphone there. No, no, you're fine. No, I'm yeah. glad you did a recap, though, because it's really up. Uh, please let us know what you think. How would you cast your version? Exactly. That's what I'm curious about. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. And and Rob Schneider is definitely available. Rob for Schneider our film. is Thanos. I need the Infinity Gems. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> oh God. Anyway, that's a good that's a good closer. So uh, thanks for joining us for Retro Recast, the twentieth episode of Cult Following. Uh, I'll be at Son of Monster Palooza this weekend uh, in Los Angeles, Burbank area if you're out there. If not, check us out for the next Cult Classics uh, screening the week after that. They live on September 26th in memory of Roddy Roddy Piper. Tickets are still available at Cult Classics AZ and Z Records. They're going really fast, though, so I would suggest you act on that now. And uh, I'm one of your three hosts here, Victor Marino, along with Kirby. Nelson. Yes. And Adam Rakowski. That's me. So until next time, episode 21, when we turn legal, don't eat after midnight, stay hungry, and don't get wet. I'm all ready. Why did I think his name was Samson? Whatever. Maybe in the movie tie-in book, he was Samson. I thought there was a part where he was like, Samson! Or maybe he says, Thunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I could so see all that. So close. Yep. <laughs>